Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. How's everybody doing this morning? Blessed to be in the house of God, I hope. Amen. We had a, man, we had an awesome Sunday last week. I was, I was thinking, man, it was going to be hard to top, but man, God, God's presence, um, does it for me every week, man. He, uh, he fills us up and, uh, he gives us word and he speaks into our lives. And I hope that you're ready to be spoken into this morning. Amen. First of all, um, how's everybody liking the chairs? Yeah. Praise God. They need to be broken into. Okay. You probably, you probably sat down. You're like, Oh, okay. It was a little, a little tough, a little, a little firm, but they, but, uh, they, uh, they're going to last us for a long time. And so, uh, I, I, I am pleased with the way that this sanctuary turned out. I want to say thank you to the, to, to the house, to the church that, um, but you know, believed in the vision, um, and, and, and gave, continue to give. Amen. We're not done yet. There's so much more that God wants to do, uh, here. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to first, I want to welcome, if we have any visitors here for the first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We love you already. Um, you, you'll probably, you'll probably get, don't, don't leave. Like, don't, don't like, you know, sneak out. I know that's very tempting to do. Um, but stick around, shake a few hands and you're going to, you're going to, oh, or do the, the COVID appropriate, uh, greeting, but, uh, you're, you're going to find out that the Numa church is filled with some awesome, awesome people. Amen. Amen. We're going to get into the word this morning. Um, Genesis chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. We're going to read a little bit this morning. I hope that's okay. And if you were joining us for the fast this week or um, this month, I'm sure you're, you're thrilled for today to be turning that in and, and going to eat some, I don't know, whatever you like to eat, but something that is not vegetables. Amen. Amen. If you have it, give me a, give me a good amen. Genesis 22. We're going to be reading verses 14. I'm sorry. Verses one through 14. We're going to read a little bit. So, so, so stick with me. If you don't have your Bibles, I have it up here. Um, so here we go. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering uh, one uh, on one of the mountains on which I tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and two, and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son. And he took uh, in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. 
So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. This is graphic. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for for what you have already spoken, my God, uh, this morning. And I pray, Father God, as I speak it, Father God, it it may only be through my mouth, my God, but ultimately by your spirit. I pray that this this word may fall on fertile ground this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we are celebrating, if you would call it celebrating. Um, I hope you would. We're celebrating First Fruit Sunday. And, you know, it should be thought of as a celebration. In the Old Testament, uh, God commanded uh, the Israelites that there should be these certain feasts. And, and the, the, the feast of the first fruit offering, that was one of the feasts. And so they came together and, and they celebrated uh, as they gave God the best of what they had. It was a celebration. Now, I know that, I know for all you Bible scholars in, in the audience, you might be thinking, well, first fruits is technically It's not for us. It was for the Israelites during this very specific time. And and, and we don't live in an agrarian culture anymore. And and, and we don't have crops to give to God. And we're not even required to present physical sacrifices to God anymore. And I I, I know. I get it. I get it. I I used to think the same way. I was was actually, uh, Pastor Danny spoke this morning in our Spanish service. and, and, And he was saying the kind of the same thing. Um, that he always thought that, hey, this is, this is, for, the old, this is for the Old Testament time. I don't, I don't know that this is something that we should observe. And, and so if I'm, if I'm being honest with you, I, I struggled with this when I first became the English pastor. Um, first Fruit Sunday would roll around every January, and I thought, man, I can't preach on something that I don't believe is commanded to us in Scripture. And so I would kind of avoid the topic. And I even had a thought that when I became the lead pastor, I would just do away with First Fruit Sunday. Um, and then I wasn't planning on telling my dad, right? But I was just going to do it. Right? I was going to do it. Well, I became, I'm, I'm lead pastor. I can do, I can do away with it. Um, but then, then a, a, a question was raised in my spirit. And the question was this. Are you really going to take away the blessing of giving? And... I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was me. I don't know if it was my dad, you know, but I, I, I started to, to, to study the, the subject a little bit deeper and focus more on the why rather than the what. And when I did that, I was convinced that I needed to keep this day as a, as an annual thing at our church. Look, if you want to be technical, if you want to be technical, you are not required to give first fruit offerings. You're not required to. Just like you're also not required to fast. Uh, scripture does not command us to fast. Some of y'all are like thinking, man, I just fasted for 21 days. 
<laughs> it's not commanded of us. What we do find in scripture, though, are examples of people, testimonies of people who were blessed by God, who were commended by God, and who were used by God. In the Old Testament, the Levites, they were the ones who oversaw the, the, the temple worship. That was their full-time job. And so the people of Israel, they would come and they would bring their, their first fruits and they would bring their tithes and their, they'd bring their offerings and, and the best of what they had to give. And sometimes they would, they would, they would create these piles, these heaps of, of offerings and, and the Levites would have to store them in storehouses. And, and all of this was done on, on behalf of God's people. And the Levites were even supported by some of these offerings. They, they, they didn't do anything else. They worked full time in the temple of God. And all of this was done, church, so that the temple would stay active, so that the temple would keep going and stay alive. Was there ever a need? I want you to ask yourself this question. Was there ever a need that, that God had for himself to have the, to the, to have the crops? Did God ever need to have the crops himself? Did he want like a salad? Was that his thing, right? Did, did he command the best of the, first, uh, of the young firstborn calf because he liked veal? Is that why God asked of those things? No. And in the same way, God doesn't need our money. He don't, he, he don't need it. He commanded this in the Old Testament to test the hearts of his people in worship. How much does the temple of God and the purpose of God matter to my people? Are they going to keep it well kept? Are they going to clean it? Are they going to give to it? Are they going to let the benches wear? Are they going to let the carpet wear? What, what are they going to do? Are they going to maintain this place that represents the Holy of Holies? And so in that sense, we as a church, we commit to, to, to giving God, you know, the best that we can possibly give as a sign of our, our worship and our devotion and our commitment to his kingdom and the advancement of it. Amen. So that's a little bit of why. Now I want to get into this message here this morning. I, I entitled this message, Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded. Someone say that with me. It's a little quiet on this first fruit Sunday. <laughs> Everybody was loud when we were having a plunge party last week. <laughs> Well-rounded is the, is, is the name of this message. And I wanted to use this scripture because it's, it's so much more than the obvious message of sacrifice. That, that's a part of it, and we're going to get to that. But Abraham's life in this moment demonstrated the well-roundedness of his worship. And so I, I wanted to provide a, a quick definition of, of well-roundedness because I don't want anyone, I don't want any of this not to make sense to anyone. I want you to, I want you to pay attention today. Um, to be well-rounded is simply to be fully developed or broadly developed. You're well-balanced. You can say that you're, you're, you're versatile. And so, for example, you can be a well-rounded musician. And so to me, that's, that's not someone who just understands an instrument. It's someone who understands music because understanding an instrument is simply one aspect of understanding music. So to be a well-rounded musician, you have to understand, you know, rhythm and harmonies and chord formation and scales. Or you can be a well-rounded cook. Anybody have, you know, can you call yourself a, a well-rounded cook? I know, I know Brother Junior can, is a well-rounded cook. Pastor Danny is a well-rounded cook. I went, I went over to uh, 
uh, David's, David and Paola's house last week. And uh, Pastor Danny was there. And man, those guys know how to throw it down, man. They, they made this like tofu meal. And they were like, yeah, we're just going to whip it up. We've never done it before. We're just going to wing it. And bro, it was like better than any tofu I've ever tasted before. And so you can be a well-rounded cook, right? Some of y'all have options when y'all cook. Y'all come to my house. There's, I got like three go-to meals. <laughs> you know, I can make you like some chilaquiles for dinner time if you want. Uh, you're not going to have a ton of variety. But I, I, I'm just going to say it. A lot of Christians aren't well-rounded worshipers. Come on. We've got some Christians who are really good when the music hits and the hands go up and the knees hit the ground and the dancing starts with the praise music. We got Christians who are, are really skilled at, at sacrificing their time. And any time the church needs them, they are, they are there. And I praise God for my men who came by this, this past Tuesday and, and, and helped set up these chairs. Amen. We've got Christians who are, who are good at, at, at certain aspects of their worship, but maybe they struggle in other areas a little bit. And so we as, we as believers need to strive to becoming well-rounded worshipers. Worship is a lifestyle. It's, it's not a hobby. It's not, it's not something that you do on a single day of the week. It's not defined by the tempo of, of the song that you're listening to. Worship is deeper than that. And I think that in this moment in Abraham's life, it touches every aspect of worship. And so the first one is found right here. And if you're taking notes, we're, I'm going I'm to provide a little outline uh, for you. But it's found right there in verse 2. It says, God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. And verse 3 says, Abraham rose early in the morning. And he did it. What do you think the first one is? Obedience. The first aspect of Abraham's worship comes in the form of his obedience. We spoke about obedience a few weeks ago. Obedience is something that is highly regarded by God important to him. Now I want you to think about the command that was given to Abraham. This isn't, this wasn't something of an inconvenience. This rips up, this rips at the heart of every, every parent, every father, their children. You're not just, you're not just asking something of me. You're, 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 you're taking, you're involving my kids. That's deep. That's the ultimate expression of obedience. And I believe that that's why God sent his, his only begotten son as the ultimate sign of obedience. And so I'm sure when Abraham received this word to go and, 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 and sacrifice your son, I bet you it didn't make any sense to Abraham. It didn't make any sense to him because I, I bet you his first thought was confusion. Because if you know the story, you know, God, you promised me a son. You said it was going to happen. I, I was, you know, my, my wife was well into her 90s. And, and then we receive a word that we're going to have a child. And, and, and then you said that he was going to birth a nation. And man, I, I, I was obedient and I followed you the entire way. And now you want to take that away? That doesn't make sense to me. How many of us can be obedient when it doesn't make sense? Come on, let's be honest. It is hard. It is really hard. How many of you would have had to think a little bit longer on this one? The Bible says he rose early in the morning. 
He got the word. He rose early, like, like he was going on a fishing trip or something. All right, cool. I'll just get up really early in the morning. I'll do it. I would have had to pray about this one. <laughs> this one's got me stumping, God. And I probably, I probably would have even reasoned myself out of it. Like, this can't be God. Have you done that before? Oh, this cannot be, this can't be, this can't be you, God. Going back to his, going back to his word, I'd, I'd say, God, remember you said, remember you said that my son was going to birth the nation. Now you want me to give him up as a, as a sacrifice? That cannot be you. This is, that's, that's a devil. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> man, sometimes we rebuke Satan, man, not realizing that it's God. But Abraham heard the word of God. He knew it was God and he rose early in the morning and he obeyed. Obedience is so important to God, even when it doesn't make sense. And so, you know, going back here to, to, the, to the Israelites, God says, I want you to bring me a tenth of your earnings. I want you to bring me the best of what you own. I want you to bring me your, your offerings. They needed no other reason to do those things except for the simple act of obedience. And, and Abraham, he was a man who was obedient, but that's not all he was. Okay. Um, obedience isn't, isn't always enough to actually make you obey. What does that mean? Look, look at verse six. Verse six says, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. And he took it in his hands, uh, the fire and the, and the knife so that they went together and Isaac said to his father, my father, behold, the, the fire and the wood, but there, uh, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself. God will provide for himself. Someone said it. He wasn't just a man of obedience. He was a man of faith. I'm about to start preaching right now. So we know that Abraham's name went down in the, uh, in the faith hall of fame, Hebrews 11, right? He was, he was known for his faith. When God told uh, Abraham to leave his land in pursuit of a land uh, unknown, he believed God. And so he took his family, he took his wife. When, when God uh, said that his wife was going to give birth to a son in her 90s, he believed God. And so something tells me that the faith of Abraham gave him hope that God really would provide the sacrifice. I don't think he was just saying that to Isaac to calm his nerves. I think he really believed because he believed God's word. He knew God's word. He knew the promise. And so he says, this, this really doesn't make sense to me. God's going to provide it. God's going to provide it. Church, you know, sometimes we, a lot of times we want to be obedient. Like we, we want to, we want to say yes to the calling of God. We want to say yes to our, to, to, to the tithing and, and to our offerings. We want, we want to say yes to what God has commanded. Yes, Lord. I, I want to say yes. I want to obey. I want to please you. But sometimes our lack of faith hinders our ability to be obedient. You, you, you get that? Sometimes our lack of faith hinders our obedience. When Peter saw Jesus walking on water, I, I want you to pay attention to this one because this really speaks a lot to what we're talking about. When, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, the Bible says, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to go out there. Why, why, that's, that sounds like a weird request. Like, 
Like, why, why didn't he just say, Lord, if that's you, I'm going to go out there with you. I'm going to do it. Stay right there. I'm coming. Why, did, why does he first say, if that's you, I need you to command me. I need you to tell me. I need it to come from your mouth. Like, I need your approval. Command me to do it. Why does he say it? See, Peter already knows who Jesus is. Peter already knows. He, he recognized his lordship. He recognizes him as the son of God. This is God himself on earth. So Peter knows all the authority uh, that, that, that held by the father also is held by Jesus. And so if, if this really is Jesus and he commands me to go out there to walk on the waters with him, the waters are going to be obedient to him. If, he, if, he say, if it comes from his mouth, I don't have to worry about anything because nature, the, the very thing that he created is going to obey. It's going to listen to him. And so, so Peter, Peter says this. Jesus says, come, come. And so the moment he begins to step on that water and, and notices that he's not sinking, he's like, man, look at me. Check me out. Check me out, Thomas. I'm walking on water. Look at what I'm doing. Look at, look at me, Matthew. I'm walking on water. But then he loses his focus on who commanded him. And, and the very thing that he had asked Jesus to command him to do, he can now not fulfill because of his lack of faith. And so because of his lack of faith, he couldn't fully be obedient to walk to Jesus. Sometimes you want to be obedient. You want, you want to say yes. It's not that you're trying to be disobedient. It's that you're scared. It's, that it's, it's because you're in doubt. Because even though you've done very well in that area of obedience, you haven't fully rounded out your faith. We have, this, we have this, a, a, a new dog that we got earlier this month. And uh, he's, he's a great Dane and he's a puppy, but he's a great Dane. So he's really big and, and he's a lot of work and, and, and he's only four months old. So we're still teaching him a lot of things. We're trying to teach him a lot of things. We're getting frustrated. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things that we're trying to teach him to do right now is, is to go outside with ease. Like we just want to be able to open the door, say, hey, go outside. And he goes out there. And, you know, when he needs a restroom, that's not a problem. But sometimes we want him to go at the end of the day because we're going to go to sleep. We don't want him to do anything in the house or we're going to leave the house. We want him to go outside. And so we're standing there at the door. We're like, Tux, outside. We call him Tux because he looks like he's wearing a tuxedo. Tux, outside, outside. And he just, he's just there. And you can tell by his whole demeanor, like, I, I really want to be obedient to you. Like, I really want, I don't want to disappoint you. And his head is down and his ears are down. And you can just, you can tell, like, I, know, I hate this. I hate this, bro. But, like, I don't want to go outside yet because, because what if I go out there and you don't open the door for me again? What, it's kind of cold out there. What if I'm, I'm not really comfortable? What if you leave me out there? And so it's not that he's trying to be defiant. It's that he hasn't developed that complete sense of trust that nothing bad is going to happen to him. Right? So sometimes you want to be obedient to the Father. God, I want to do it. I want to, do, I want to say yes. I want to start serving. I, I want to say yes when I was asked by my pastor to, to give a class. I, I, I want to say yes to you. I want to, do, I want to do more for you, God. I want to be able to give more for you, God. But I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this week is going to look if I give you this. And so it's the lack of faith that hinders our obedience. 
I've been in those situations, man. I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I want where I wanted to be obedient to God and give him a tithe. But I was like, God, I just, the way my bank account is set up, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. It's not that I don't want to honor you. It's just that I don't, I don't know. When the obedience is as strong as the faith though, man, imagine what you can do for God. You're going to be unstoppable. There's one more aspect of, of, of worship displayed by Abraham. It's right there in verse nine. It says, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order, uh, in order and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. So we talked about obedience. We talked about faith. And the last one is sacrifice. Abraham had the obedience. He had the faith that God was going to provide the sacrifice, but now he got to the top of the mountain and I bet Abraham looked around for a little bit. <laughs> All right, where, where's it at? <laughs> where's, where's the sacrifice? Because I, I just know that Abraham expected to find a replacement for his son. And so I bet, man, I, I would have I, I, I loved to see a lot of these Bible stories just actually play out. But I, I just, I imagine Abraham kind of taking his time, kindling the fire, kind of distracted, like looking around, like, is there going to be a ram or a goat or something over here? And as time progressed and, and nothing was happening, I bet he got to the point where he, it was time to bind his son, Isaac. And I bet you he's just weeping like, God, come on, come on. I'm, I'm getting a little hopeless here, man. Looking around, he believed, he believed God's word, but now it's at the final hour. This is it. And he was willing to make the sacrifice. He was test, God tested him all the way for his sacrifice. What if, what if Abraham would have failed in his ability to, to sacrifice? He had the initial obedience. He, he had the faith, but, but when it got to the end of the line, he probably realized that, man, God, God is really asking for my son, Isaac. You know, sometimes God, he doesn't do the things that we put our faith in. He doesn't. I've had many, I've had faith for many things that ended up going in a different direction. What if, what if Abraham had said, God, I can't finish it. I can't do it. You know, God often speaks of blessings. I'm going to have the worship team come up. God often speaks of blessings for those who give, right? God says, test me in this. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of preachers, that, that's, that's their main takeaway. They, that's what they use, right? Hey, you, you, you give, God is going to, you give today, God is going to bless you tomorrow. Tenfold, right? I'm not about ten. I know that God will reward me. I know that God will honor my giving, but that's not, that's not why we should do it, church. Because if, if, if the reason that we gave to God was simply because we knew that God was going to give us a double portion, we would never understand the power of sacrificial giving. It would just be an investment. We wouldn't understand sacrifice. 
Imagine, imagine if God gave you a double portion of, for every dollar that you, that you gave an offering, man, we, our, our offerings would be massive, but it's not about that. It's about worship. It's about a well-rounded worship where, where we're able to obey and, and, and we're able to have faith that, that I know that God is going to supply every one of my needs. And even when I'm hurting and even when life is a struggle, I know, I know that I gave God my best. This is, this is the well-rounded worshiper I strive to be, church. And my prayer is that, is that you would strive to excel in obedience and your faith and your sacrifice because they all complement one another. And can we say that that's, what, that's where we are this morning? Can we say, God, I have, I have put all my faith in you. I have, I have obeyed every single word that you have said. Can we say, Lord, I have sacrificed. I am willing to sacrifice anything that you ask of me. That's a well-rounded worshiper, church. I know it. I know it pumps us up, man, when the worship music is going and it's loud and everybody's got their hands raised and, 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 and everybody's, you know, the crying and, and the altars are filled. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful atmosphere that we set in worship, but that is only one aspect of worship. And so I know this might hurt, but don't, don't call yourself a worshiper if all you know how to do is raise your hands on a Sunday morning. That's not a worshiper. And God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Amen. So I'm going to ask us to stand this morning. We're going to do a couple of things. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.